0: Welcome to Hangout in the Holy Land. I am your host, uh, Managing Editor Matt Brown. Our fearless leader, Luke Zimmerman, is indisposed this evening. Uh, Twitter is any account. I imagine this has something to do with bourbon, so I'll wish him well and then happily take the captain's chair. I am joined here by uh, two of our esteemed writers, longtime contributors to Land Great Holy Land, Ian Coitus and Ted Glover. Tell us, how are you doing today?
1: I'm doing great. How about you?
0: Hey, hey, couldn't couldn't be better. It's football starts tomorrow, so there's no there's no cause for for a long for oh. long faces here today. <laughs> yeah, so we we've actually had quite a bit of Ohio State related news kind of come down the pipe uh, in the past day or so, and I wanted to be able to discuss that, get your get your proverbial hot takes on everything, and I think we should probably start here with some with some disappointing news. Uh, As I'm sure that you uh, you folks have heard, we've had a a disappointing injury. um, Defensive tackle Tommy Shutt has apparently suffered a broken foot in practice. Uh, This was first reported by 11 Warriors, Kyle Rowland, and and, uh, confirmed by our friend Dave Biddle. Um, The good news, I suppose, here is that this isn't a season-ending injury, apparently. He's expected to miss maybe six to eight weeks and potentially come back near the middle or the end of the year. Uh, but certainly, uh, this is somebody that I think a lot of us expected to see some playing time this year. Expected to produce, and with a lot of questions already perhaps happening here on the, with the front seven, with a lot of inexperienced players, uh, that that could potentially cause some some alarm here for death. Uh, Ted, I know that you are were particularly attached uh, to to what
2: Tommy might have been able to bring to the team this year. What are what are your thoughts on this injury, and what what does this mean for the Buckeyes going forward? Kind of disappointed. Uh, I also saw on Twitter uh, it was a chase Chase Ferris, I think, has been. Moved over to the defensive line from from offense just to give some added depth. Um, I, like I said, I'm disappointed because Shutt was one of the go, one of those defensive linemen that came in with the with the big class last year with Adolphus Washington and Noah Spence and Sevion Pittman, who's who's left the team. Um, and and he played well, sparing in you know a couple brief appearances last year, and he was going to be a big important guy in the in the defensive tackle mix. However, you know one man's misfortune is another man's opportunity and now hopefully michael bennett who who has the potential he's really slimmed down was over 400 pounds now down to a manageable i guess if 350 pounds is manageable it's a manageable 350 (laughs) um and 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 i say if if he gives 100 on every play he's going to be a very good defensive tackle so this is a really big opportunity for him um i i'm kind of concerned now about the depth it kind of reminds me a little bit last year with the offensive line when you had to convert a tight end to, a, to become a starting tackle. Um, but I, I think overall the good news is it's not a season-ending thing, and, and Tommy should be back halfway in the season uh, with at least at least one buy in there. So the amount of games he'll miss, hopefully only one, maybe two conference games. But those two conference games, unfortunately, will be Northwestern and Wisconsin, um, two of the three biggest games we'll have in the conference this year.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and certainly Wisconsin's power rushing attack is going to provide a, a really stiff, a stiff test here for Ohio State's defensive line. Even if everybody was healthy, so even losing one potential contributor there could, uh, could potentially be problematic. Ian, what, what do you think? Is there anybody that you think in particular might be able to step up and maybe fill some of these holes that, that uh, or these these big shoes rather that are, are going to be lost for a little while?
1: Well, uh, I was actually. Interested to see that Joel Hale had the nose guard position locked down um, as far as the Buffalo game was concerned. And um, I'm kind of interested to see how he does there. Uh, I thought Tommy Shutt would start over him. Um, but I think that um, I think we'll see a little bit of Chris Carter in the mix. Um, as you know, he had the issues with uh, the weight issues and whatnot. And then I, I'm interested to see Michael Hill as well. Uh, the nice thing about the defensive line is we have a lot of Rotating spots that can be interchanged at different times. And I think uh, I think there'll be some players that can step up. Yeah.
0: You know, it, it's crazy when we're talking about this, especially with players with weight issues, and we, we come back and we can legitimately say with a straight face, like, oh, he's a much more manageable 350, 340, 330 pounds. It's, I mean, like, I'm not like that little of a guy anymore, but it's almost like we're talking about like a different species for somebody that's, like, <laughs> you know, all, literally almost two of me. And I'm, I mean, I'm, like, 180 or something so that that's crazy but certainly you know looked at some pictures uh, Chris Carter looks like a different person this year it'll be it'll, it's disappointing but it'll be fun to see you know how some of the people might be able to step up uh, another thing that, uh, that dropped here, I know this is kind of not really the time of year when people are thinking about this, but Ohio State's full basketball schedule dropped today. We had known a little bit about the non-conference schedule. We had known that there's really not a huge heavy hitter headlining the bunch this year, although we have a neutral a neutral game again with Notre Dame that's going to be in New York City. We have future Big Ten foe Maryland um, joining for the ACC Big Ten Classic. And we'll also have a road game with Marquette. But the full big the order of the Big Ten slate uh, came out today, and uh, Ted, I know you're not a huge you're not a huge basketball fan here. Ian, I'm not sure if you've had too much of a chance to get to look at everything. I, I posted a little bit on this uh, yesterday, but is there anything about the schedule that jumps out at you, or is or are there particular stretches that you're concerned about, or how do you think the schedule might impact the the Buckeyes' goals for next season for basketball?
1: Um, I've had a little bit of a look at the uh, basketball schedule as far as like the Big Ten. Um, conference is concerned. But looking at it, um, the definite game that jumps out at me, at least, uh, is the Purdue game. That's like the very first game for the Buckeyes opening conference play. I think that's going to be really tough see how they'll do there. Yeah, I, I, I completely
0: agree. Purdue is, along with Penn State and Iowa, I think are some teams that were near the middle of the Big Ten that are projected to make significant jumps. Uh, the game against Purdue last year it was still fairly close, and Purdue is going to have a big advantage with uh, with size. I don't know if there's anybody on paper right now that looks like they would be a good matchup for for uh, Purdue's uh, big man Hammond. Um, real real quick, you know, from a, a wins and losses perspective, it's it's nice that Ohio State only has to play Michigan Indiana and Wisconsin once, and they get the Wolverines at home. Um, and Michigan State is in the very beginning of the Big Ten schedule and at the very end. So there's, there's a potential here if the Buckeyes can stay healthy and get some production uh, from the four and five positions, they they should be able to pick up some wins. Um, I've kind, of, kind of come full circle. I know a lot of Buckeye fans are complaining right now that the non-conference schedule doesn't have any big names, but... I don't think this team, at least in the beginning of the year, is going to be nearly as good as last year's. There's, there's a lot of significant questions. So being able to kind of start with some so, – there's several plucky, you know, good mid-major teams uh, I, th- I think might help. So certainly I'm, I'm always happy to see uh, my former uh, institution of higher learning, the American Eagles, on the schedule. I can promise you when you get to that game, I would dominate that coverage because I don't think there's, I don't think there's a whole lot of other beat writers who are ready for hot Patriot League takes.
1: Oh,
2: there it is. What, one yeah. thing, isn't the, isn't the Big Ten releasing their basketball schedule like two days before football starts for a couple Big Ten teams in the week of football? Isn't that like the most Big Ten thing ever lately?
0: <laughs> that's a totally – that's a great point, and I hadn't really thought about it. I, I maybe, you know, next time I talk to Scott Chippen or something Chip, – or next time I see him, I should say, you know, maybe wait off a week on that because I don't think a whole lot of people's heads are in the game right now for for Big Ten basketball because – Football is coming. Oh. And that, my friends, is what we call in the business a segue. Because there, <laughs> <game. laughs> there is a football game that is happening this Saturday featuring our Ohio State Buckeyes and the Bulls of Buffalo. And, you know, I've been, I've been looking around. I think the line for this game is somewhere between 35 and 36 and a half-ish, you know, somewhere in that, that five touchdowns range, which seems – I mean, like, Ohio State's going to be a really good team and everything, and Buffalo is, you know, maybe a fringe bowl team, but five touchdowns is a lot. Do, do you guys – I don't know if you're, you're – either of you are gambling gambling men, but do, do you think that Ohio State's going to win this game by more than five touchdowns? Yes. Okay. Why why, why do you think that?
2: I, 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 I don't – I'll be the first guy to admit, I don't know the Buffalo Bulls all that well. Um, okay. Not a I lot mean, of people outside of that. Buffalo uh, – Probably do. But I do know Ohio State, and I do know Urban Meyer's coaching philosophy and and the talent that he's brought in. And I would be hard-pressed to see a a, a mid-level team like Buffalo, and I don't mean to disrespect Buffalo at all, but they're going to have a hard time playing with all the athletes that Ohio State has on both sides of the ball. And and I I think if if Ohio State gets a little bit of momentum – early in the first quarter a, a quick touchdown drive or a, a three and out followed by a touchdown drive. It's gonna be one of those, you know, waves crashing upon the upon the beach sort of thing. And I I, I just I just don't see Buffalo being able to hang with, with Ohio State on their best day. I, I really don't. Okay, cut. Fair enough. Ian, Ian what do you think? What are what are
1: what are Buffalo's chances of making this a little bit spicy? Well, could I see Ohio State winning by five or more touchdowns? Yes. Um do I think it will happen? Probably not. Um I think it'll be more along the lines of three, maybe four. I mean it's it's not it's not gonna be very close. Um if if the best player on your team is a linebacker, I think offensively you're probably gonna have a bad day. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I I, I think I think that's fair enough. It's hard to envision a situation where Buffalo is going to be score enough points, even if their I think if their defense is, is playing really well. Is there uh is there somebody in particular? Uh, I guess Ian, you I'll start with you. Somebody in particular for on Ohio State side that
1: you're really looking to to have to make a statement or have a really big opening game. Well, I was really looking forward to see what Jalen Marshall would do. Um, he's the quarterback turned wide receiver um, coming out of high school. He's a freshman. Um, I know he was having some issues with uh, concussion, so I'm not sure whether he'll, we'll see him in that game or not. Um, uh, he's listed on the depth chart, so I'd have to assume we will. Um, so he's definitely one that I'd like to see, um, some of the wide receivers like James Clark or, um, Dontre Wilson, who can be, you know, a wide receiver or running back kind of in the, um, H position. Um, I'm kind of interested to see both what they can do. Um, so I guess that's pretty much it for that.
0: Okay, that's yeah, that's that's fair. There's certainly a lot of really young, exciting skill position talent that can uh, potentially will make a big name for themselves there's opening game. Ted, what about you? Who who are you looking for to come out here? I know, I know you talked about this a little bit in the piece you recently
2: posted, but who are you looking for to come out and make a really big statement in that first game? I think it all starts and ends with with Don uh, with uh, Braxton Miller. Ian made some great points. I, I really want to see Dontre Wilson. Um, I, I think he's going to add a dimension to this offense that, that we didn't see last year. Um, when you hear everything that, that we've heard about Miller in the offseason and how he's, he's been a, a really good uh, at uh, um, working with the quarterback coach and, and he's had a really good offseason and a, and a fall camp and everything else, I, I want him to, to step up and, and become the guy. So, so many times last year, he'd make a great play, and then he'd be so inconsistent for long stretches of time. Uh, I'd like to see a little bit more consistency over the course of a game, uh, and and on defense, I'd, I'd really like to see uh, Curtis Grant in the middle. Heard a lot of good things about him, and I'd like to see if if that is really not just talk from the coaching staff. If he really has kind of if the games really finally come to him. You know, he had a lot of talent coming out of high school, and had a disappointing couple first years, so hopefully it's time for him to step up too.
0: yeah, I you know I, I I could not agree more. I think it's exciting to talk about potentially all these new really fast toys that are that are part of the Ohio State offense, but yeah, you know I, I agree for me the number one thing that I want to see is continued consistency and growth as a passer for Braxton Miller. It's easy to forget, I think, with how successful Ohio State was last year that this offense was not really at all consistent. And there were multiple games last year when, like, literally, the Buckeyes would take an entire quarter off, you know? We forget, you know, the Buckeyes scored, you know, 62 kajillion points against Nebraska, I think had, like, one first down in the first quarter. They're like, we, the the UCF game was a blowout, and then Ohio State just, like, didn't show up in the third quarter. There was a quarter against Cal, and well, it's really refreshing you know, that you can have three consecutive three and outs and then have x drop like a 62-yard run along the sidelines. It should be really important to kind of show steadiness and making the right reads, making the, the right short passes, showing some consistency because that's what's going to completely obliterate teams if we can t- take that 62-yarder and also drop the, um, you know, the consistent seven, eight-yard gains. The, uh, and, and certainly, yeah, on, on defense as well. There's a lot of questions I think around the linebackers being able to show that there's there's consistency from there as well will be critical, especially since I think Buffalo is going to try to run the
2: ball a little bit more, if they're going to want to throw it. Yeah, they've got a very good running game too, so that's going to be a that's going to be a good first test for the front seven.
0: Yeah, 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 absolutely. Like I, this is this is not like a, a cream puff game in the sense that like UMass or Eastern Michigan might be. I mean, I, a lot of smart people are thinking that that this Buffalo team should be in, in contention for a bowl. They should be able to, to beat or at least hang with some good teams in the Mac. Um, I don't really see a way barring catastrophic injury or, or like a minus seven turnover margin that, that uh, Buffalo can win this game. Um, but I could certainly see a way where, you know, maybe the Buckeyes start slow like they did last year. And, you know, you look at the scoreboard ticker and it's like Buffalo six, Ohio state three, and it would freak out on Twitter. And then Ohio state wins like 52 to seven or something like, you know, it's, uh, that's that's kind of that's kind of how things go. <laughs> real real quick, this one of the things that I want to talk to you guys about. Um, I don't know this. There was some talk about this on Twitter a few days ago, and I wanted to. I, I was able to get a copy of it. Our, our the New York Times bestselling author um, and noted Michigan man, John U. Bacon, has just uh, has finished a book called Fourth and Long: The Fight and the Fight for the Soul of College Football," which you can see here. And, uh, I, first I wanted to kind of unequivocally recommend this book. I, I just finished it. It has It's an excellent um, behind-the-scenes look at the Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State, and Northwestern season last year, including some really neat details that we might have missed before. But it's also, I think, a really fascinating look at what it is that makes college football really exciting to us and how there are potentially some really worrisome economic trends heading into the sport. I mean, certainly I think we saw that with the addition of – Penn State and excuse me with the uh, Rutgers, the Maryland's that was universally panned by everybody. And but the just that was they were brought in just because of the money, sacrificing potentially the uh, Midwestern traditions of, of the league. Um, but also the increase in ticket prices, the the, uh, the increase in advertising everywhere, uh, the inc- the proliferation of bowl games that nobody's really excited about. And I, I'm, I'm kind of seeing that a little bit now here. I mean, you know, the so attendance is down for a lot of people. I know that a lot of guys are more, much more excited about watching Ohio State maybe on their TVs instead of actually going into the game, especially when you have kind of a less-than-exciting opponent and, and costs are going up. I, I'd be curious here, for, you know, for you guys, I don't, I don't think either of you are planning on actually going to the OSHA-Buffalo game, but, like, how, what is the most amount of money you would pay for a ticket to go see Ohio State play a mid- to lower-tier MAC team? Would you be willing to pay 70 bucks? Yeah, I would. So,
2: really... <laughs> you would? Say, okay. What's what's the, what's the most you would pay to go see an Ohio State game? Who me? Yeah. Um. I well, I got. I was fortunate. And I I use you know fortunate. Um. That I was able to go see the the Buckeyes get curb stomped by Florida down in Tempe a few years ago. Um, never happened. <laughs> buddy of mine. A buddy of mine. His um, uh, his aunt or somebody, family relative, had season tickets. Got tickets at face value, so I was able to pay face value and then airfare and a hotel. So I paid like three hundred bucks for a ticket, which for a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity, um, I thought was a pretty good deal. What, but I'm kind of at a at a at a different point in life than most people. I've got a little bit more fungible income to to, to spend. If I was a student, I don't. I, there's no way I'd pay seventy bucks for for a Buffalo game. I mean, the economy's tough, and it's 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 easier and a lot. Um, a lot more fun in a lot of ways to watch a game from the comfort of your living room. If you've got a TV, you're, you're five feet from a bathroom. You don't have to fight the drunken idiot three rows behind you. That's, 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 you know, cussing and, and just making it miserable for everybody or picking on a poor hapless Buffalo fan that might be sitting there. That kind of stuff just really kind of turns me off. So I'd pay, yeah, I'd, I'd pay 70 bucks to go see a game if, if I could, but um, it, I, I prefer watching the games from, from the comfort of my living room. It's just with the advent of HDTV and all the other interactive stuff, um, you can get on the computer and, and check a bunch of different stuff real time, which if you ever go to a stadium, I'm sure Ohio Stadium is like any other stadium in the world where you can't get cell phone reception because 60,000 people or 100,000 people are trying to get on Twitter at the same time. So it, it's uh, the stadium experience, at least to me in this day and age, isn't what it was a few years ago.
0: Okay, you know it's, it's funny you mentioned that Ohio State actually just announced that that uh, they're they're adding some additional towers from Verizon to kind of try and alleviate that problem with you know a hundred thousand people all trying to tweet at the same time. So it'll be interesting. I'll have to check in with some folks who are at the stadium to see if that reception gets any better. What, what about you, Ian? You're you're kind of you know you're a different place in your life. You're you're just starting college. Would would you pay seventy bucks to go see a, a Midland game or how? how how much would you pay right now to go to go be there for OSU buffalo
1: uh right now i probably have to say like at most 35 40 bucks i mean even then i personally have always enjoyed um the comfort of my own home when watching the game you know on tv you get to see replay and you know analysis from the commentators like I, that's just something that i enjoy um i know you can see the replay and stuff on like the big board that they have at um, Ohio Stadium. Uh, And obviously you can't substitute for what it's like being in the crowd and feeling the energy of the stadium. But something it's just something that I've always enjoyed, is just being at home and watching the game.
0: Sure. You know, I I feel the same way in a lot of ways. Um, I'm probably going to uh, go to three college football games in person this season, but one of them is going to be at East Carolina because my mom just got a professorship job there. My ticket's gonna be twenty bucks because there's no way in hell I'm paying seventy-five dollars to see <laughs> East Carolina and like Tulane. You know, no disrespect to either of those schools. Um, but and and you know I'll probably go to Ohio State, Northwestern, and I'm gonna try to go to the the BYU Wisconsin game. But yeah, I, I agree. Like even though now that I'm at a point in my life when I have a real job and I know my wife has a job, so we have we have two incomes coming in there. It's tough to justify even like 55 bucks a ticket, especially because then you go in there and I'm going to have to pay $4 for a bottle of water when it's 102 degrees. Um, I don't have to pay seven bucks for a hot dog. Yeah. And you know, if I, if I want an adult beverage, that's, you know, that's, that's going to be a ton of money and there's parking and I got, there's, you know, people yelling and everything. And it's, you know, as a, as a college student, when, when the tickets were a little bit more affordable, cause they're, they're kind of subsidized. I, I wanted to go, but I also didn't really feel bad about leaving in the third quarter so I can get back to my my, my couch and my laptop and and kinda have my, my own personal space. I given that college football is so emotionally and romantically driven relative to the NFL, I'd be concerned that Ted I, I, I mean no disrespect here for this, but I think that there's this is something that we we, we want to be able to encourage students and younger people to be able to to have a large part in and these experiences, and I worry that if we're pricing people out or we're changing the stadium experience enough, so people under thirty or young families can't go, then we're we may be losing a little bit of what makes college football great. Like if you guys have seen the aerial shots of like Penn State when they're doing a whiteout, like those are a lot of students yeah. There's a lot of like recent grads, and that looks awesome, right?
2: Yeah, I mean, it's, like I would. It, it it's unfortunate yeah. in a lot of ways because the, you know, with the advent of of the modern bowl system, I I think it was Woody Hayes that said, once you start introducing money into college football, you're going to ruin it. And this was, what, 25, 30 years – well, 35, 40 years ago that that he said pretty close, something like that. And and, and a lot of – Ted, you still
0: with us? All right, yeah, well, I I, I, I (laughs) – <laughs> Ted, Ted will be coming back there in a second. I'm going to assume that, that he was going to say that. Yeah, in a lot of ways, money has uh, done that. You know, had a negative impact to college football. Mm-hmm. You could say that Woody was ahead of his time in a lot of respects, and that certainly that certainly sounds like one of them. It's interesting here mm-hmm. at this book, kind of. Well, you know, there's, there's a lot of villains in here, whether, you know, whether it's ESPN or Mark Emmert or or Delaney. But one guy that he specifically points out, and this might be because the author is a Michigan man, but uh, Michigan Athletic Director Dave Brandon, uh, a former Bain Capital bro with Mitt Romney, is is kind of listed as uh, a principal culprit uh, for changing the, the incentives and influences in, in college sports, and maybe not for the better, um, Certainly, you know that that's, that's going to be a huge storyline coming into this season. Potentially, some huge huge changes are happening here to the sport, and that's something that we'll continue to watch and cover here on Land Grant Holy Land. Um, we are we're just about out of time here. I'll get you, at, I'll get you fellows out of here on this. Let me get your final score predictions here for our first game, the Buckeyes and Buffalo. Ian, let me get some numbers and some hot takes here from you. What do you think it's going to be?
1: Oh, all right. I'll go with. Um... to in Ohio State victory. Uh, I think Braxton Miller has a great day uh, through the air. Uh, I think he'll have about a little over 80 yards rushing. I don't think he'll quite get the uh, 100-yard mark, but um, I definitely think Ohio State will win this one pretty easily.
0: All right, 38-17. I certainly would not lose any sleep if Braxton Miller is not running for 100 yards because that means he's not running that much. Uh, Ted, what what do you think? What's your hot hot take score
2: prediction? Well, I I, I said they cover, so I better – let's see, 35. So, okay, let's go. Let's public school math from Ohio for a while. (laughs) We're all all public school kids here. 52-10, Ohio State. I I think – there, there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff going on about there are already people are already talking about Ohio State's schedule and I think the only way um, that Urban Meyer can that can he can quell some of that is if he just puts the pedal to the metal and and runs it up and I I, I think he's going to do it it's going to be completely uh, a a completely different way of doing things than we did with with the Jim Trestle in and, and that era but I I, I just see him going pedal to the metal for full four quarters and, and Ohio State looking pretty good on Saturday.
0: Alright. Yeah. I, I wrote a little bit about that. I guess this will be two days ago when, when this actually publishes. And that kind of presents the unique um, set of expectations. When you play these teams and it's not enough just to win by like twenty one points, but there's these external pressures just beat the ever living crap out of people where, you know, there's I, I don't know if, if the team's gonna internalize that, but I certainly think a lot of fans and writers are going to be expecting you know, 40-plus win bloodlettings in order to, to quell the critics. I, I'm kind of done back and forth on this here. I think the Buckeyes will cover. I think that they're going to start a little bit slow, but will win somewhere around 45 to 10, uh, setting up for an interesting matchup here uh, this week. Ian, did you, I, I think I rudely interrupted you here. Did you have something else that you wanted to add?
1: I just wanted to say that, um, you know, to backtrack a little bit, um, I don't – I think that I understand what you're coming from with the um, – you know, having to blow everybody out uh, idea because it makes sense. But I think that to go 24-0, and you know, undefeated two seasons in a row, I think is incredible. You don't see that very often in college football. Um, so I think I think sports writers and, you know, the people that do the polls, I think they'll give Ohio State the benefit of the doubt when it comes to playing teams. I mean, there might be a couple drops or something here or there, and I, I just – in the end, I don't think it'll matter that much because if you go 24 0, I mean, you're pretty good. Well, that's true. That's a good point. Yeah, yeah. Well,
0: we, we can only hope, fellas. It's been a pleasure. Let's uh, let's leave the good people here on, on that beautiful note of the going 24 Um 0. <laughs> you know, once again, uh, I'm, I'm Matt Brown. That's Ian. That's Ted. Uh, we will be back with you hanging out here in the Holy Land next week. Uh, in the meantime, uh, go Buckeyes. Go, X. No,
1: all right. <laughs>